Welcome everybody to Dojo Talk sponsorship. Um, in today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, where does money and chess come from, and you know, when should you take it, when should you not take it. Um, you know, how should different uh, players, streamers, tournament organizers think about and look at sponsorship uh, opportunities for chess? And um, one of the reasons Kostya uh, selected this topic for us today was that I'd published an open letter about a week ago uh, in which I urged uh, a bunch of uh, chess professionals to please not promote a new chess enterprise called the Immortal Game, um, because ultimately uh, that website is going to, you know, take people's money from them and offer them little in return. It's going to sell them immortal bishops and knights, and uh, cracked bishops and knights, and platinum bishops and knights, and stuff like that. It's going to peddle them some NFTs, and then eventually disappear in a pile of sadness. And, uh, you know, I think when that, when that day comes that the players who've promoted the website are going to be responsible for their fans feeling bilked. So I was just urging them to, and, and I didn't go into any detail on how this was all going to play out, Kosti and Jesse. I just said, look, do a little reflection, maybe research this company a little bit, think about it a little bit. Just because they're offering you money, that's not enough reason to take it. You have a responsibility as a you know sponsored person or spokesperson. You're being invoked by this company to tell your fans to trust them. So you have uh, a responsibility to vet these companies before you you represent them positively to others. Yeah. So let um, let's just clarify a few things. So yeah, this one um, was about like a specific company called uh, the immortal game as doing this like chess nft online thing um they actually um wanted us to, to join their team as well and they offered us to be one of their um influencers so we'll definitely, we'll definitely get into that um but we also just kind of want to talk about um broadly because i guess in yeah in the background of all of this it's like um there's been this huge uh, crypto exchange FTX that recently went went bankrupt and lost a ton of people, a ton of money. And FTX was like a chess sponsor. They sponsored some of the, the Play Magnus events. Um, and so presumably a lot of chess people put their uh, put their money on that exchange uh, because of the, the partnership or advertisement or, or whatever. So there's definitely a lot to discuss in terms of like chess and sponsorship and uh, crypto specifically, but also um, other forms of, uh, of let's say money that maybe the chess world shouldn't, shouldn't want to be taking. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think, and I think also it's a question that's been around for a while, you know, I mean, so when you've got FIDE elections, you know, the different sides are often arguing about who's going to be able to bring sponsorship, who's going to be able to grow the chess budget, et cetera. Right. So, you know, Kirzon brought his own, <laughs> He was like the he was like I will negotiate good deals with myself to sponsor chess, right? He brought the money himself. Um, Gary Kasparov brought Intel when he split with Fide. It was partly to say we need to professionalize how we get sponsors. This is ancient history for people, but just to say that this is you know an important question that's been around for decades and will be around 
for for decades, you know. And even now, when you see people coming in, you see um, Peter Heine and Ilsen and uh, Sutovsky and people like that. One of the things that they argue about is, you know, should should this Russian company be a sponsor or not, given its ties or lack of ties or tenuous ties to the Putin regime, right? And and who's going to bring money and who should be in charge of of world chess based on what sponsors they they will bring. So bringing sponsors can be seen as a real asset and positive for some people. And other people will say, hey, this is the the sign that you're corrupt and that you shouldn't be in charge of things. Yeah, Um, right. Well, I think, yeah, I feel like it's uh, definitely a complicated issue. Um, I'll try to like maybe steel man the the side for crypto a little bit because my feelings on it are, are definitely um, are definitely mixed um, because I do feel like the chess world has always struggled with money and with sponsorship. It's like the money has often come from very dubious places. You have tournaments that are held in like, uh, you know, regimes that have huge like human rights violations. And there are players that, you know, sometimes they like protest playing there because uh, they just don't want to travel. Um, you know, Americans famously skipped out on like the World Rapid and Blitz a couple of years back. Um it was being held, I think it was like uh, Iran or if I remember where exactly. But um, so I feel like chess has often, yeah, struggled with with sources of money. And a lot of times it just comes from a benefactor who who likes chess. And it's like we're just like lucky to have them sponsoring um, events. And it's been very hard for the chess world to like get um, actual corporate uh, sponsors. Like every single other sport seems to have like no issue doing <laughs> and not to you know not to offend all other sports but like you know every other sport has like these like huge like sponsors like nike and like all these companies and uh yeah it seems like chess has always kind of struggled with that so by that token it's like i totally sympathize taking money uh from crypto companies especially like very big companies that have already done like huge deals outside of the chess world with companies that are like much bigger than chess companies it's like yeah i don't blame at all um, people like taking sponsorship from like, uh, you know, Coinbase, for instance, I think they were like a world championship, uh, sponsor, which I thought was kind of amazing. It was like, there was Coinbase written on the back of uh, Magnus's chair, if I remember correctly. I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big step. So I definitely don't blame the chess world for taking money from crypto, but on the other side, like, I mean, to me, it's so clear, like how careful you have to be right now in this industry, because it's like so many companies are just like going bankrupt and people are just losing money. And yeah, to like to promote that without really having like an understanding of the risk is obviously very, very um, risky. Uh, Jesse, you want to jump in with your or go ahead. But but just I just like you to clarify something you said. So you're saying that there is some responsibility if you're promoting something. I mean. If yeah. someone's, if you accept someone as a sponsor, the reason they're sponsoring you is because you're going to promote them. And right. so you, you accept the basic tenet that you have some responsibility in sort of vetting or choosing that sponsor. Yeah. And it's not just like crypto. That's the issue. Like, um, yeah, uh, there's also an issue with like gambling companies that are like sponsoring chess events. Like Magnus had this like huge gambling sponsorship a while back. And, right. uh, I mean, yeah, personally, I feel like gambling is also maybe just as dangerous as crypto they're kind of in the, they're kind of in the same the same realm um, yeah that would be another topic if there's a difference between the two <laughs> or how how similar they are yeah i'm definitely more more 
more pro um, crypto, but I just recognize that it's like, you know, right now, I mean, yeah, there's also a ton of scams and stuff. And like during like the dot com bubble, right, which I wasn't really, you know, cognizant for, but it's like there was a ton of opportunity there. But there was also just like a ton of um, ton of scams and people losing their money. Mm -hmm. um, so, Jesse, let's get your general temperature on this topic. <laughs> How are you feeling? Yeah, so first I just want to add a couple other examples. There was like the breast implant company. That was really what, another one. And then there's, of course, Russian money, uh, which I think we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then we had the famous example of Kirsan Ulimjanov, who was the FIDE president, also pumping his own money into it. It was also always tainted and weird. So, right, the history, go I just wanted to mention those because the history truly goes way back. And I think me and David are on opposite poles of this issue where um, chess players, especially chess players who aren't making, who are trying to make a living simply playing. And so I just want to put out the, the, the simple economics of it is that if you want to teach, there's a job for you. If you want to create content, there's a job for you. But if you want to play, then it's very difficult. In fact, like let's say you are in the top 10 in the world, you're gonna be fine. Once you drop out of the top 10, you're gonna be struggling a little bit. And it's hard, and I think that's for a lot of sports, even if sports are more popular, like, like let's say tennis, I think if you're not in the top 100, you're also gonna be teaching or something, right? Uh, so all these sports, right, it's only the people at the very top who have some kind of uh, lucrative career. And so, from my perspective, I want to say, first of all, that the chess boom has not increased prizes in any dramatical way, at least in what I'm seeing. For example, tournaments I'm looking at going to, prizes mostly the same, even though numbers are up. Um, and then if you ask yourself, well, who's getting the money? There's kind of these weird events like there was the Crypto Cup, right? Which before this whole FTX scandal hit, I didn't even know it was called the FTX Crypto Cup. I just knew it was called the Crypto Cup, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think for the players too, they obviously weren't aware of FTX having some kind of problem. They probably didn't even know what FTX was in any big sense. So from my perspective, if you are a player and you are trying to make it, I think you should basically more or less blindly takes <laughs> the one exception i guess and it's weird for me to make an exception on this but um you know the the russian sources of money are weird they're hard to there's not a lot of transparency in it as well um but by the same token if you imagine let's say when i was a kid and let's say i had the uh, opportunity to go play chess in Soviet Russia. Soviet Russia, what a terrible place. But would I have gone if they'd given me a, a couple rubles just to go play? Yeah, I'm <laughs> taking that opportunity in heartbeat, right? So, you know, like, I think players are so poor uh, that it's almost like giving them a hard time for trying to make some money off the playing. It's a really hard ethical ask. 
because especially if you're like somebody who has a little bit of money and saying no, but if you want to go play and that's your passion and that's honestly as a fan, I'm into them doing it. You know, it's very hard for me to say don't take the money. Very difficult, you know. Um, and as an example of a different sport, I think. Um, I'm, of course, watching the World Cup. In my estimation, there's I'm only interested in two sports events in my entire life, World Cup and the World Chess Championship. Now that Magnus is absconded, I don't care that much about it, this, at least for this cycle. But in any case, both run by corrupt organizations, incredibly corrupt organizations. But I don't see the players themselves as being corrupted by the process. Like, let's say I'm just using the soccer players, for example. They've worked their whole lives for this, and it's their pinnacle moment. Same way for chess players playing in, let's say, the Crypto Cup. Right. I get you get a chance to play Magnus or something. Great. Take it. Um, so in a similar way, using the soccer as an example. Right. There's all I mean, there's a lot more money, obviously, in soccer. And it's arguably there's a lot more dark money and lack of transparency. But the players themselves, do I see them being corrupted by the process? Not really. Not really. So that's my quick take. Yeah, I mean, there's two very different situations right jesse one is a player takes a private sponsorship and the other is a player plays in a in an event that's sponsored by somebody else there it's the organizer choosing the sponsor right so like hmm. ftx the responsibility i think we would say is more on play magnus group and less on arjun aragaisi for accepting an invitation to go play in their tournament right like okay. he's a, I, like i think i would probably agree with you like if you're a chess player and you're invited to play in some tournament you can just go play in the tournament i don't think you need to look too hard at the tournament structure um uh but when you're take but when you're personally taking on like let's say immortal games is paying arjun like i don't know maybe maybe 200 dollars a month Okay. to occasionally tweet something about their site then it is him personally making that choice and there i feel it is on him to make that choice i, I guess you would still say like whatever he just needs the money um but i would say in that situation it's much more at his doorstep and let me just say this is a good example of this so i'm feeling people listening might have as cloudy of an understanding of this as i do and this speaks to the potential uh, moral dilemma in somebody like Arjun or somebody else taking them on as a sponsor. So here's the moral dilemma, as I understand it, that they're selling NFTs of maybe chess players and chess pieces and all kinds of stuff in the same model as I guess the sports world is trying to do it. And it's like um, this whole NFT thing. Is it really going to make anybody money? Nobody really knows. At least I don't think they do. Um, yeah. Is it kind of like crypto in that you're buying something that might eventually have value, might not? Is it a gamble? Yes. So in that sense, somebody like Arjun, if he has as limited of an understanding as, as I do, I don't see any problem at all, especially because it's like, gosh, I don't know what they're hoping to make money for, but they're giving me a dollar. I'll take it, boss. I'll take it. You know. So I don't see, especially that one, because it's just like a murky asset that somebody is trying to sell and maybe it's going to have value. Maybe it won't, but am I, I think at this point we know that it won't have value. I think oh, like I, I, I'm not an expert on crypto uh -huh. things either. Right. So yeah. I'll say that yeah. right away. You know, I don't know the, I don't know the difference between different 
exchanges and different coins. But I think I think it's pretty clear that NFTs are worthless. I've never heard anyone claim they had any worth. And I've seen, you know, thousands of people discussing them online and everybody's kind of like, LOL, you know, this is BS, you know? Yeah, let me let me defend NFTs a bit. But I think the same issue is that it's like, uh, Jesse asked, like, who's going to make money off of NFTs? I think a few people are going to make a ton of money off of them. And probably a lot of people are going to lose money and have already lost money. Um, so, I mean, with cryptos and NFT. To me, it's just like wild. You have like all these companies like investing in it, investing in the technology and just pouring like billions and billions of dollars. Like there clearly has to be something there. But at the moment, it's like so early that there's also going to just be like a lot of just people just taking advantage. They, they just stamp NFT on their product they and then they just sell it and then they don't really worry about the long term, whatever, if it actually does anything for the users. And and that's definitely why I like I had no interest in um in us adjoining Immortal Game. I don't even know if I like mentioned it to you guys that they wanted to work with us. I just figured uh, y'all would be very much against it and, and I was already no, no, you, like, you you asked me and to your credit I said hell no and that was the end. You just okay. Yeah I was never even consulted. Give me a dollar. <laughs> Sometimes dollar. I like to just ask you guys like I have a feeling like yeah they're not gonna want to go for but I just still want to ask you just in case you're like no, no, that's a great idea. We have to do this. Like, I don't know. Um, what was the offer, by the way? Was it like, I don't know, $200 for a tweet or something? What was I, no, I don't think I don't think there was any. We never got to the point where we were like discussing a monetary amounts, but it, it definitely very much felt like a thing. Like, yeah, they wanted, you know, Dojo to like jump on their site, play some tournaments, maybe like host an arena, promote it. And then they would pay us in some form cash money. Um, maybe their own kind of like uh, coin or token that that they have um, that would, you know, that maybe later we could essentially um, cash in. So that's, that's the issue with a lot of these like projects is like they give out, you know, a million of their tokens or whatever to to their influencers. And then those tokens get sold for some amount and then the value goes way down. And then the people, they already sold their their shares and then it's essentially worth worth very little. So I do feel like there's a future in NFTs, but right now I just feel like people are just trying to make money off this new thing. And it's not really clear what the value is, right? Like you need like a normal person to be able to explain to you like what the value is, like why they're actually, why they're actually uh, buying it and being able to just resell it at a higher price later is not really value. That's more just like gambling. You're just speculating that the price is going to go up. Um, and it, it, it doesn't make um, sense. So yeah, the, the company very much just felt like a pay to play thing. It's like you have to to eventually pay money to like play chess on their site. And if you play chess really well, then maybe you can like earn money at some point on their site. So it's like a way to like maybe earn stuff. But um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like a, you know, it just seems like a, a money grab. And um, there's a lot of chess people, you know, promoting it. I mean, we, we mentioned like MVL, like Faruja. Also, and then there's like several like uh, influencers um, too. And yeah, it's like, right. I, I It seems like, right, it's just like not going to work out there. I mean, there's been a lot of chess companies that just kind of like sputter out. Um, they usually don't, you know, have been too many NFT companies, but that just seems like, yeah, I just don't see why this one would be so successful. Like, how are they going to get people to start playing on their site as opposed to like chess.com or or Lee Chess, like it, yeah, I just don't really see. 
don't really see the future there. But in the meantime, right, all these people are getting their fans possibly to now spend money on this site and, and invest. And yeah, where's, um, where exactly is the value? So, okay. so, yeah, I mean, so you, just, you, you did it, you did business school coast. So you can imagine how they plan to get on there. You've seen like part of their like client facing marketing plan, right. And then as far as the business plan to go with it, make the site free at first. Right. And only charge you later on. Um, yeah, but I just assume most people are just going to stop playing at that point. <laughs> like, I just don't see why people would play, would pay money to like play chess <laughs> online if it's not like for like a specific like tournament or, um, you know, yeah. whatever. So I, I just agree. to collect the trophies, on this one it is seems. Less, the risk on this one is less because it's probably not going to be super successful. So people won't get scammed for a ton of money. <laughs> but David, just to be clear on what you see as the moral dilemma. So with both crypto and NFTs, it's basically players are helping promote these speculative assets. Yeah. And especially because you don't believe in those speculative assets, you think it's yeah. morally wrong for them to do so. Right. And if they, for me, my morality is very much based on like intention, Jesse. So if somebody really thinks that this is a great company and they're supporting it, mm -hmm. fine, you know, good for them. Right. Like I just ask these players to reflect on it. You know, I didn't guarantee that I'm right, although I am right, but um, you know, if, if MVL has like really looked into it and he says, I think this company is going to be great and it's going to provide great value to people, et cetera, et cetera. And I stand behind the company. Fine. I've got nothing against MVL for doing that. Right. That's just an honest mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, that's okay with me. Uh, what I, what I wouldn't like is somebody just saying like $200. Yes. You know, and they don't, they don't ask any other questions or research anything at all. I think you have a responsibility to vet them. Yeah, I would, the, I would agree with that. One of the things, David, I find hard about it, about your moral argument, is then when I start imagining all of the different sponsors, like all of them, and anybody with a lot of money, you can debate how they got that money or how they're going to claim to make more money on you by sponsoring you. Or maybe they're just giving it to you in a philanthropic way. But even if they're giving it to you in a philanthropic way and you disagree with whatever politics uh, they have, or maybe how they got the money. You're gonna if you if you start questioning that, you're gonna not only uh, make it difficult for the player then to uh, accept money, but then oh my god, then the moral quandaries for the player are just innumerable because then you got to start doing research and stuff, man. Mm -hmm. And you got you're not gonna even be playing the game anymore. You're just gonna be in an endless loop of like oh my god, should I take this money? I got all this anxiety about it. When does it ever end? That stuff's good for your health, Jesse. I mean, the only way you get better at chess is by practicing chess, right? And the way you get better as a person is by practicing moral thought. Let me give you an example. So, by the way, Costa is going to move to St. Louis. That's news. We get, Costa will talk about that on his own at some point. But I also spent a lot of time in St. Louis. If you want to argue about money, I think, first of all, I think St. Louis, be, before the chess boom, St. Louis is the greatest thing that ever happened to the U.S. chess. And if you want to, you can argue both about, like, if you were a communist, you could say, well, that wasn't cool how Rex made his money off using index by creating index funds. And then you could say, not cool that Rex is like into Republican politics. So right away, if you want to start spinning your head about it, then you got, you're going to start 
either even if you do accept your invitation to St. Louis, you're still going to be spinning in your head all day long about whether you should have done so. Which is good for you, Jesse, which is good for your health. That's yeah, what I'm telling you. Just player, you need to be focusing on the chess, my friend. And, what, and, no, 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 no. You don't want to be one dimensional. You also have to be a human being as well. You, well, you have if, to have relations to other people yeah. and communities and thoughts and ideas. I mean, I agree to some extent you need to focus on chess, but I mean, you don't want to be just completely shut off to everything else. And whether or not you make the right decision about playing in a Rex event or what you say about Rex or the Singfield Cup or whatever, whatever conclusion you come to, it will be better if you've thought about it a bit before you went forward with it. Okay, so David, here's the interesting question I have for you, buddy. Which sponsorship can you imagine accepting unequivocally? Um, there is a local um pizza place here. Oh god. <laughs> and um it's a co-op. It's worker it's worker owned. Yeah. Um they produce nice pizza for the community. And if they wanted to sponsor like a local, like the California Unicorns, you know, professional chess team or something like that. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that would be that would be awesome. I would be pumped. Yeah, they could you know, I've already sponsors. thought about it. I wouldn't have to think about it more. Yeah, they could. Uh, yeah, send us a couple pieces our way. That would really. Yeah, they could. They could send us some money, and we could tell people their pizza's good because their pizza actually is good. Uh huh. If their pizza wasn't good, you know, hmm. or if you know they 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 produced the pizza in some way that tortured their employees, then you know, then I wouldn't do it. But so you want to promote unhealthy food habits to children. There you go. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I, think, I think having an occasional um, pizza is, is quite fine. I don't think their pizza is particularly unhealthy. Oh, pizza is very unhealthy, my friend. <laughs> pizza yeah. is pretty good. Thing Definitely a gateway food to unhealthy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Kosta, thank you so much for noticing the obvious problem in David's um, analogy. Might well, as well accept a beer company. But, but David, Jesse, it's, it, it's too yeah. far though, right? I mean, there's always going to be a, a spectrum of these things. It's very different to, you know, play at a, a chess club, like whose owner is a, uh, is a Republican compared to like going out yourself and like wearing a jacket with like, you know, some like Russian oil company or, you know, whatever. Right. I mean, there's certainly different levels of, of responsibility. Um, and uh, people do, do bring up that criticism about St. Louis, but I don't know. I mean, it's like uh, I've been there so many times and the amount of, uh, you know, conservative propaganda I've heard while I was there is like zero. <laughs> it's not like they're interviewing the players like, oh, yeah, tell us about this new like this new bill the, <laughs> the politicians are, are pushing. Yeah. But with like the crypto companies, I mean, the players are absolutely saying like, yeah, go sign up for the site, start playing, you know, um, send them send them your money. So, but now, Kosia, with St. Louis, I'm totally on board with you. But imagine it this way, uh, just to make it. If you want to, if you want to problematize it, because I don't see actually a problem with St. Louis, but I feel it's very easy to problematize it. You talk to people from St. Louis, which is a very progressive town, and you you realize, oh my God, they hate this guy because that guy is responsible for flipping uh, Missouri to the Republican camp. Also, this guy, Hawley, the senator, oh, man, he got out the uh, the, the Democratic senator. And this guy's a piece of work, man. <laughs> this guy's a yeah. piece of work. That's all he got. He's full on Trump cons- conservative, weird uh, conspiracy theory and yada, yada. 
And the weirdest thing is, you know, I've hung out with Rex a bunch and like the guy will get to vote against Holly soon. um, (laughs) You know, Rex is a very interesting character personally. You know, I, you know, grew up poor in an orphanage, yada, yada. In any case, uh, I'm just trying to say, like, I don't think there is, it's hard for me to imagine a sponsor, some kind of, especially sponsorship money that was big, right? Any kind of, it's hard for me to imagine any kind of sponsorship money that's in any way big that is not problematic. And um, yeah, I think, I think, honestly, pizza is problematic. <laughs> especially oh, if you're going to put a pizza on the back of your coat or something like that, man. That is, like that's a gateway drug, man. You're on your way. There's a spectrum, and I don't think many people are going to agree with you on on the dangers of an occasional pizza. But before that, you had a really good point, Jesse. You should should Uh, spoil it with the pizza hate. No, on the the pizza thing, the the bigger thing is that it's not a huge sponsor, right? I mean, you could sponsor a team, maybe. Yeah, that's the more important point, I think, right? Is that, like, if you're looking for a sponsor that's going to give you one to two million dollars for something like a world championship event mm-hmm. then who has one or two million dollars to spend is it possible that somebody has earned one or two million dollars in an honest and good way and that's where jesse has got me uh-huh. you know so let's let's focus on that because you're right jesse i don't think that like basically anybody has a spare you know one or two million dollars in a good way so it, 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 I agree. It would always become problematic for me. You know, who would be a legitimate title sponsor for FIDE for the world championship cycle? Mm-hmm. That would be a tough question for me to answer. Um, yeah, it seems like you would need, you would need some compromise there. I mean, that's what the chess yeah. world has been doing for, for many years is compromising. And um, thankfully, I feel like things have gotten better and uh, people have been pushing feet in a direction to take less dark money and to be a lot more transparent about it. Um, so hopefully, I mean, for many years, like the running, I don't know what to call it, the running joke or tragedy in the chess world was that like no one wanted to work with Kersan, right? Because he believes that like aliens brought chess to earth and he had all these like Kremlin ties and all this stuff. So and he had like, journalists murdered. So he was like a scary person. No, Absolutely. Um, and then uh, Kasparov's fiasco with like IBM definitely did not leave a great taste in uh, the corporate world's mouth. So like, yeah, the chess world, uh, as long as I, I've been a part of it, has always uh, struggled with with finding um, decent sources for uh, for money. Um, and I, I guess just to, I just want to stress one quick thing. And this is something that baffles me, but it's just got to be said. My favorite sports events are run by the most corrupt organizations. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me that that's the case. I mean, these are great events. This thing that's going on in Qatar, or however you want to Qatar. pronounce it, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And it was clearly the most corrupt deal behind the scenes. You don't have, it's like out in the open how corrupt that thing was to give them the World Cup. So, you know. What a great event, though. And I feel similarly about the chess events. I'm going to try to answer this, like, almost impossible question. So how to sponsor, you know, the world championship cycle? Where do you come up with, like, $2 million that's not, you know, tainted? Or, or you know, do you go to a compromise or what do you do? So one of the first things I would say is 
try to split it up a little bit. Again, like if you divide things up, it's a little bit easier. If you try and find 10 sponsors instead of one title sponsor, then you then the amount of money you need per sponsor is smaller. It's the same as the idea of like, you know, what's like legitimate funding for a Senate campaign, right? Is it is it two billionaires or is it a thousand people each chipping in twenty dollars? Mm-hmm. Um so I would say if you if you split it up and look for smaller amounts from smaller companies that have done less bad things, that's one step in in the right direction. And then another thing I think is that you could just you could you could do some really mild crowdfunding. Like you could sell a ticket to the world championship online for like a dollar or whatever. I mean, it wouldn't have to be very much for people to have the right to watch the games or an official broadcast or something like that. Um, and that way you could uh, make some money, right? Um, so that's funny. So you see, that's that's where NFTs could come in. Because like with NFTs, you could actually, the idea is that you would certify that someone had like a real ticket and then they would have that forever. Do we really need an NFT for it? I mean, we could just, you could just buy it like any other like any other ticket, right? Like when you go online and buy a ticket on Ticketmaster, which is more of a monopoly than chess.com, and you buy a ticket for a show for a dollar to go listen to some music, you could do the same thing. You could spend like $1 and you've got a ticket to watch the World Championship Games. And if the World Championship Games want to be broadcast on multiple different websites, right? If they're not going to be like exclusive, then basically... You could just you could still find deals to pass that money through the different companies, right? So fans could pay a dollar to watch it through chess.com or through Lee Chess or or whatever or through the official site. And either way, you know, you could structure it so that you know a dollar flows towards the uh towards the prize fund for the players. Well, I mean, I think that would be that would be great. Obviously, it's hard to hard to achieve and and people have tried um to to sell the broadcast but i don't know if they've ever tried like a one dollar thing where it's like super super cheap and very very accessible um that doesn't make sense though and obviously like a recurring stream of revenue for the chess world would be nice but i mean there's tons of recurring revenue in the sports world like in the nfl and the nba i mean they sell they sell at like stadiums and like tons of tickets and and sports passes and all this stuff, but there's just so much more of a economy there, like with merchandise and jerseys and, uh, but even those sports have like tons of huge sponsors, you know, like all the Nike Gatorade and and all these companies. Um, I I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's that's just so players can get paid a hundred million dollars instead of $20 million. You know, it's not like, it's not like without those sponsors, the whole thing wouldn't work. Right. It's just that the thing is working so well you know, money and success attracts more money and success, you know, so it's just, it's just rolling in it at this point. Right. Um, and, uh, with, with chess, you know, as it were, would be more successful, you'd have more people interested in sponsoring, but again, you can still be selective about it, but I think creating a system where there's actual income off of spectators and tickets is very, very logical. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would think we would want that yeah, just regardless, <laughs> regardless of what we do with the, the sponsorship question. I mean, desperately, we um, we need that. I wanted to go back to David's earlier point about how if you're promoting something, you should really 
believe in it. Like to me, I just feel like, yeah, that's always been very intuitive. Like if you have some influence or some marketing power, you really shouldn't be promoting products that you wouldn't just recommend normally, like to a friend or something, or that you personally uh, use. Um, I mean, we've only done, as far as I know, we've only done the HelloFresh uh, sponsorship here for this channel, um, yeah. which you guys, I had to ask you guys, you were okay with it because it involved food and you guys know how food is important. <laughs> yeah, but, but you were the ones who got the avocados, buddy. We never got, me and David never got any of those avocados. You took that all for yourself, my friend. Well, I, yeah, I did the legwork to set up the sponsorship. Yeah, so very much, yeah, uh, enjoyed it. Um, we have other other deals as well in our in our inbox. I'll share with you guys. Um, but yeah, we we've been offered stuff that like yeah, I mean like I was just not interested in and like never going to use. And yeah, it just doesn't feel right to just like promote it. You know, it just <laughs> seems right. um, like yeah. Well, I think that's that's part of um, what being a good influencer is all about. If you only promote the stuff that you really believe in, then your fans can actually uh, trust you. Then when you do promote something, that they should really go out and, and take a look at it, like a really good book or something or a new course or whatever. And like you tried HelloFresh, Kostya, and let's, I don't, I don't know if you liked it or didn't like it, but you were going to give it an honest review probably, right? Like if you liked yeah. it, you would, you would tell people that it was great. And if you didn't like it, you'd be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to repeat that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did enjoy it. And back then, I mean, my review was basically the same. It was a very good deal that they offered for the first box. And I mentioned, I probably wouldn't continue after the first one and that is that is what happened because they give you that very very good deal and then it's yeah and then it, it does get does get pricey but for many people i mean if i was making a little bit more it'd be totally totally worth it for me um so yeah right it's a ratio of your time to the to the price of it right mm -hmm. yeah absolutely but yeah so i mean you gave it an honest review and it was something that you liked now let's imagine there's a product that you don't like like let's say you don't drink caffeine and some company wants you to just have like a coffee sitting on your desk all the time while you're while you're playing that you're not even actually going to drink how would you feel about that yeah i'd only take it if the money was absolutely stupid like if it was really stupid money then i'd be like well I, and then i'd just be honest about it <laughs> well the red bull sponsorship is a great example right it's essentially caffeine and um yeah that was that happened. In the, that's an example of spon weird sponsorship in the chess world, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, yeah, I used to drink Red Bull. I don't really do it anymore. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I was kind of joking. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd feel weird about um, promoting it because I, I don't think energy drinks are, are healthy and should probably right. be avoided unless you really know um, that they're OK. But um, I mean, yeah, coffee seems a little bit more benign <laughs> than uh, some of the other ones right but if it was something that you're not really into even if you're not super against it you wouldn't bother doing the sponsorship to be perfectly honest if it's not a harmful product mm -hmm. um then then if the money is good enough uh i would definitely i would definitely consider it um like let's say it's like a pen or something it's like a very cool pen i'm not into pens maybe other people right. are then i wouldn't feel you know, if they offer me a hundred thousand dollars to promote their pen, I'm like, maybe <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of money. Um, but, uh, but yeah, not something like, uh, yeah, like, 
um, you know, there have been video games that actually did offer us a lot of money to promote their like video game. I don't want to mention it, but people can probably guess. Um, and yeah, that one just seemed like really not not worth it. Like they're just gonna get other people to. You know, it's one of these like pay to play video games where it's like you play for a little bit. It's like very addicting. They're like, you know, then you got to pay money to like progress and advance and very, very predatory. I imagine a lot of kids get into it. Um, yeah, that stuff. Yeah, if it seems dangerous. then yeah, then I wouldn't it wouldn't be worth it. Nice. I have to I'm admit. happy to hear it goes. Yeah, happy to hear it. <laughs> I wasn't perfect. I said I would take some money. <laughs> That's fine. It you at least you thought about it all. You had some idea. You had some limits. You had some thoughts on the matter. So I appreciate that. Thank you. One thing that's interesting as a moral thing that's come up for me as a chess player just listening to this is it's interesting for me personally like that I have a strong differentiation if I was a player or if let's say our site were going to be taking someone. And I think that's partly due to my memory, my visceral memory of being dirt poor, <laughs> dirt poor, trying to go to tournaments and uh, trying to make it work and just being like any dollar you throw at me, what I'm going to take it. Whereas like something that we're doing, right? I don't want to take, I, there's no need for one thing. And then, um, yeah, totally different. So you could accuse me of hypocrisy, I suppose, in my differentiation of those two. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Because I, I appreciate what you're saying about poverty. Basically, you know, what is or isn't moral varies on your situation. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're starving, then you've got, then there's more understanding for your choice to take a dollar than if you're not starving. Absolutely. So like, for example, Jesse, you know, if somebody with no money steals a piece of bread and somebody with a lot of money steals a piece of bread, it's a different story morally. I, I suppose, you know, I, 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 the stealing, I don't equate it with stealing. I don't equate like poor chess players accepting money to steal. No, no, yeah, it's, it's totally different. Yeah. It's just an example of a random okay. yeah, moral yeah, situation. Okay. A lot of people would say stealing is wrong. It's just like an example, right? But I was just trying to say, like, almost any moral situation depends on the situation the person's in, right? So, like, st like stealing a loaf of bread may seem like a simple little thing, but you you would have a whole gradient or gradation of whether or not it was or wasn't wrong or how wrong it was. I think there's also an interesting moral component in, in when I imagine somebody young who's into whatever sport they're into, right? Uh, that their life, especially it now, or even even 50 years ago, if you wanted to be good at something, your life had to be completely, has to be completely dedicated to it in such a way that you shouldn't actually, I don't feel like those people should be concerning themselves with all these moral questions, like the soccer players as well. Don't think about it, buddy. You're just, you have one task, you'll probably retire when you're 35, and then you can think about it. And you can think about it, boss. But until then, do your thing. And then I will enjoy you as a fan pursuing your craft. Um, and until that point, like all this stuff that's so complicated. And like we've already said, there's no easy answer to accepting any kind of substantial money. Right. Make like, <laughs> as for me as a fan, go, <laughs> go do your thing. 
Except the even, money plays even you have some limit, Jesse. Even you have some limit. Like, I think if Karyakin played in a tournament, now you wouldn't cheer for him. I don't know. I mean, like, let's say Karyakin is an example, right? Yeah. I think he's uh, in a really weird tribal spot. Like, if you look at Russian society now, yeah. um, the, the, the pro-Putin um, warmongering aspect of Russian society is so strong that if you lived in it, it would be very hard to actually avoid being a part of it. Perhaps. Plus, Karyakin has his own special weird things going on in his head. So, for example, let's take a different example. Uh, Fisher coming back to play, especially after saying some really bizarre things. Right. Do I need to not be his fan? No, I could still be his fan. You could be. I'm just saying. How, how would do you I play an event with him? Yes, of course I would. He could say whatever he wants. At a certain level, like if somebody's a genius, but has got like their own personal problems and are saying some weird stuff, like I can get over it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a weird, I don't know. It's a weird, I, I think to me the where I would have the most problems is with the Russian money personally. Well, that's what, that's so, why I brought up the Karyakin example, right? Like, but Karyakin himself isn't the money. He's just one he's of sponsored people. by those companies. He's sponsored so, by them. So you could say like he's say he's promoting these things because he actually believes in it or he's promoting these things because he's getting money from them or both, right? But he's clearly both sponsored by Russian that's tied directly to Putin and he's promoting, um, you know, intellectually, shall we say, he's promoting not just those companies, but the whole uh, Russian project uh, of invading Ukraine. And I think, you know, just to put it in a topical, even more topical example, I feel like Nepo is sponsored by Russian money, but he's not saying a bunch of crazy stuff. Right. So that's an interesting little thing there, too. Um, and obviously, like, Karyakin is very hateful in the things he's saying, but essentially both are sponsored by the same people, as far as I can tell. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, it's, that's a hard one, too. That you could spend, spend days <laughs> making yourself morally impaired by thinking about those things in terms of do I participate in the event or not, you know? Right. Yeah, it kind of comes back. I guess we had this question before when we were like when the Karyakin thing was um, kind of happening where like, yeah, how much can you separate the chess player from like the their outside um, persona? Like if someone is just like a terrible person but they're uh, you know legit chess player should they still be like invited to events and and all this stuff and i think yeah the the spark uh, the sponsorship stuff kind of plays into that like if you're yeah sponsored by um all these like yeah warmongering companies for example then that could definitely start to um bring the game into into disrepute uh, disrepute at the, as they say um yeah it's uh it's a tough question i'm i'm definitely with with just a little bit in terms of like, yeah, I sympathize for the player, um, especially if you're just surrounded by all the propaganda. I can imagine how that how that happens, and and then um, yeah, you just get you just get turned, you just kind of get um, radicalized. Uh, so it's very scary, it's very sad, but I mean also like yeah, we do have to kind of like protect the the chess world a bit against it because it's. It, it, yeah, it comes down to, again, it's like, well, where's the limit? Like, what can a player do 
before <laughs> before they get booted out of uh you know of uh of a chess event right it's like how far how far can they push it in terms of the the morality side and actually let me just say something about technology and how this influences like um this is just a, a topical example that pertains to all these people is that back in the day okay we had chess players saying all kinds of crazy things but because they weren't saying it on Twitter. They were just saying it to some people around them. And maybe those people told other people what they said, but it, the, the egregious things they said never became a topic for discussion in the way they become now. Um, and a really interesting example is uh, like Emery Tate and his son. Mm. Okay? So Emery Tate would say amazingly controversial and weird things that if he had had a Twitter platform, <laughs> he would have probably become famous, but also he would have become banned, right? His son then is in many ways a carbon copy of the guy uh, and is very controversial. And then my, my student, James Altucher, had him on his podcast. And then Altucher was banned by loads of people just because he had him on the podcast. Right. And all I'm trying to say is nowadays, people like Koryakin, there's so many other chess players and they speak their mind, they're going to say some crazy stuff because a lot of them were never educated. They just had chess. So they're going to say, when, when you're not, you don't expose to the broader culture and then suddenly you come out of it, A, you're going to think you're a genius because you're a chess player, but then you're not going to have been exposed to a lot of other ideas or thoughts. And then you're going to, whatever conspiracy theory is out there, you're going to be like, well, that's the truth. And then you're going to say some crazy things. Right. And now, especially with Twitter and all these other places where you can express those opinions, people are going to be like, oh, look what the guy said. Look what the guy said. It's totally different from 20 years ago. I just wanted to make that quick remark because that's part of what's going on. Like when we're when we're banning Karyaki, we're not banning him for the money. It goes to our point. We're talking about sponsorship, right? We're not banning him for the money. We're banning for what he said. Yeah. That is what happened. And Vita specifically said that he was banned as opposed to like uh, Sergei Shipov, who was also kind of very, very pro-war um, just yeah. because he has a much bigger online influence. That was their own reasoning. Right. I mean, um, that was ludicrous reasoning, but yeah, yeah it I was mean, the reasoning. <laughs> right. It's like, it was odd. It was odd. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't really know Emery, uh, but um yeah, that Andrew Tate case is super interesting because it's like, he's, wow, he's like the son of this like legend chess player. It's like so interesting, <laughs> but really? but yeah, he's he's radioactive. People really do not do not like him um, or what he's. And by, what he's by the way, the, the the story just from a chess perspective, I want to put out there is really fascinating for those of us who knew Emery because Emery, I didn't even know he had kids. And this kid was like off in England doing his yeah. thing. And Emery was just going around the world, sleeping with women, going to chess tournaments and having this very interesting but toxic personality that drew people to him. And then Andrew Tate on this podcast with Altucher is like, oh, yeah, when daddy came home, there was a totally different vibe. <laughs> and he's talking about this vibe that he gets off of Emery and the toxic toxicity, but also in an interesting, interesting toxicity kind of way. And it's this amazing chess story, really, because for all for me, just because Emery was such an interesting character that uh, a lot of people, by the way, a lot of chess players are interested in Emery want some kind of biography written of him. I would read that biography it was researched well because it was so much interesting backstory to the guy and what had been going on in his life. Um, 
that if he had existed in this day and age, like his son, he would have, he would have made money off of his presence. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's totally. And, and and then in fact, he you know he ends up dying poor and uh, kind of on the streets, kind of on the streets at the end. Yeah. Anyways, that's a different story, but wildly related to our digital world now. That's changed how we think about both sponsorship and how people are talking. Yeah. You could link it up by saying that he should have had a sponsor. <laughs> exactly. He should have had a sponsor. He should have had a sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think we should uh, start wrapping it up then. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any any closing closing thoughts on the on the matter? Yeah, my my closing argument is just I would encourage everybody to engage in moral thought. To, to practice it and, and, and advance as, as people. You don't have to be right every single time. The point of thinking about these things and talking about these things is not always to be right. Just like I tell people when they analyze their game, they don't have to find the right answer. You know, sometimes like a 1200 is like, it's beyond me. I'm not gonna find the answers to like these questions. I'm not good enough. I have to ask the computer or something like that, right? But the process of seeking those answers and thinking about them is useful in and of itself. So you don't have to get every question right i know i seem very very strict in my morality but i'm also very understanding of people i'm just asking people to try a little bit i'm just recommending that people try a little bit i think it's good for them and and ultimately good for the world as every person becomes a little bit better than the society and the community around them is strengthened you know multiples of that by every person who's doing that so i think we should all you know engage in some reflection to a reasonable extent, you don't need to spin in circles of paralysis, like Jesse said. And I mean, Jesse is somebody who's got very, very deep thoughts, and he knows that that's possible. And I recognize it is, you know, you can become paralyzed um, by not being able to figure out any of these things definitively. So I'm just asking, you know, within some reasonable limits, that people reflect on things, and uh, it'll be good for us all. Okay. I rest my case. And on that note, I would say that it would be good to extend that reflection to the fans as well. Because I think people need to realize that like the chess world has been poor for a very long time and struggling to, to make deals and get sponsorship. And so when you see chess players kind of like jumping on the money and like really trying to make as many deals as they can, um, I feel like, yeah, sometimes you're going to make mistakes and they might take money from places that they shouldn't and they might mess up and they might do things that they end up regretting. Um, but yeah, folks have to realize uh, chess is a game that's played on the board and we might be really good at chess, but that doesn't always extend out to all of their decision making. Um, and so, yeah, like the chess world kind of being like popular, it's like very new for us and we have like all these new opportunities coming in. Um, so yeah, I, I think people will mess up and I hope the fans do, do learn to kind of forgive them and realize that it's... Um, yeah, really not that easy to know how things are going to work out. Sometimes things go wrong. And um, I mean, for me, the big litmus test is always like someone makes a mistake, they end up owning up to it. I think that's that's very big and important um, to do. Yes. But on the other hand, it's good to give people that kind of um, genuine uh, benefit of the doubt that they are trying to do the best they can and they're not trying to scam anyone. And yeah, uh, you know, there have been uh, chess players, like they get caught up in something and ends up going wrong and it's like yeah i can assure you they're they weren't going into it like oh yeah i'm gonna scam a bunch of people right so 
yeah, I definitely feel like there should be um, kind of a give and take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, offerings of forgiveness and also offerings of apologies, right? And that's one of the things that I'm waiting for from the Play Magnus group, right, is for them to make some kind of statement of contrition or responsibility around their sponsorship mm -hmm. choice. Instead of a closing argument, I'll just mention just a closing thought. I just want to say that a lot of these sponsorship deals <clears throat> uh, are pushing online chess more than they are over the board chess. And so one of the interesting trends then is just this move away from over the board chess that uh, hurts me more. <laughs> it hurts me more personally than uh, the taking of money of players of, you know, may potentially. Stop.